this podcast may contain some explicit language, so it may not be suitable for our little listeners under the age of 13. Welcome to episode five of Shit Gets Real. I'm Selena Stam. And I'm Tony Hedstrom. And we are so happy to welcome Josh Goodwin from the Goodwin Mortgage Group. Thank you for having me, guys. So we've um, we've got them all set up with our drink of the week. And we're back to our peanut butter whiskey because this shit is good. It's very good. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Yay. Cheers. So, Josh, you are the perfect guest for our shit gets real broadcast <laughs> because <laughs> that's really what's been going on in this market. It's just been really unreal right so what are you seeing um in regards to mortgage lending you know buyers trying to get pre-qualified trying to be competitive uh to to compete in these homes um there's a lot of things really that i'm seeing so one of the main things for getting pre-qualified versus getting Mm pre-approved that's always been the gold standard you want to be pre-approved before Mm -hmm. you know you submit an offer pre-qualified doesn't mean much it's credit pull and quick conversation, you're off to the races. So what we like to do is get all documents in. It seems a little daunting at first for clients because some people have a little more information needed than others, whether they're self-employed or not self-employed. But we like to get all that stuff up front so that when we do write an offer, we don't need anything. I can personally call the listing agent and let them know, hey, they're very qualified, everything's been vetted. But to be truthful, in today's market, it's as if the agents don't even really believe it when I say it anyway, because they're so used to deals falling apart at the last minute. You know, every lender promises something and a really common thing that I get back whenever I say, Hey, they're great. Everything's been reviewed. I have my own underwriting staff, you know, rest assured they're great, but are they? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so one of the things I started to do on top of that is obviously clients write heartfelt letters to the sellers, which is great to, you know, get that emotional equity is what Mm -hmm. we call it bought in. Um, but we're just very relentless in our pursuit to make sure that offer gets accepted. Mm -hmm. So we've even gone so far where a lot of my referral partners now are guaranteeing, you know, even just a small sum, thousand dollars over. Mm -hmm. If it appraises or if it doesn't appraise, I'll still pay $1,000 over. So, you know, we've been seeing a lot of people lose out on 30 offers on one listing to 40 grand over in cash. No. I mean, I've seen a lot of it and it's it's difficult to compete with that. And um, so that's why we've been bringing everything back to our original process, how we can tune a little further and really get every document done so that I can write a contract for 20 days. So a lot of people like, you know, there's a lot easier ways to get that piece of paper. Yes. There are ways online, a lot of online lenders where you don't have to submit anything. And you know, what's really sad is it might say pre-qualification and very fine print on the bottom. Mm -hmm. So when a listing agent's looking at those 30 offers, deciding which ones to present, if they're not very careful, they could think that's as good as your Mm pre-approval. Yeah. Are you able to submit something along with the um, emotional equity letter that the buyer writes, something that says, hey, I'm the lender and 
and he, this is what I can assure you, or I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, and it's we're trying different things because it's. I mean, this is really a new industry. I mean, this is very much like Miami's market, where you know it's been like that for quite some time, where they're always over asking, waiving appraisal contingencies. And some clients are prepared to do that, but obviously, you know, you guys are the ones making those calls with them. You know, that's not always the best case, especially in a market where it might not appraise mm-hmm. and they don't have the funds for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're starting to write letters that go with the offer, yeah. even though it's more cumbersome. You know, this is the home that our clients want, yeah. so we do what we can to make sure they get there. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's you know, as real estate agents, you know, we choose a team. You know, and. Uh, that team could include you know, inspectors that we recommend, yep. mortgage lenders that we recommend, title companies we recommend, because we've worked with them and we trust them and you know they've really helped our clients. This is one reason why Josh is here with us today. So um, that's one of my biggest concerns for buyers that are financing. They're the ones they're not getting the houses, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. of the the overage and, and cash offers, mm-hmm. uh, well, not just cash offers, but the overage on the offers mm-hmm. that you you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really uh, it's disheartening because you know last year, my team and I we did about one hundred eleven million in production, and that was for four hundred seventeen families helped. A lot of lenders last year did a lot of refis. We kept it very lean because we wanted to keep our process for purchase still easily to close in 30 days. This year, I probably have more families pre-approved and less deals on the board. Because it's just, it's very, it's very difficult. I mean, I see New York license plates, Mm -hmm. California license plates, more and more and more. And they're just, you know, moving in, which is fantastic for the city and it's great for the economy. But, you know, it's there's not enough inventory. There isn't. And that's what I'm finding with my buyers. We're writing really competitive offers. I mean, four-day inspection periods, crazy stuff. Where, yeah. You know, I have to call the inspector prior to be like, can you do this? You get busted, you get yeah, yeah. Like, that's why Tony yeah. said with our team, we try to have a, a team that we can depend on because we know our, our, our offer is going to be very tight, right? Mm-hmm. Our deadlines are tight. But we're losing them to cash offers from New York and yeah. California. Yeah, because they sell their home that they've lived in for 20 years and they profited a million bucks and Mm -hmm. they come down here and they just have money to spend. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's frustrating for buyers, but that's why when whenever we have clients with you, like I always feel a sense of security when when they're working with you, because you pretty much are on the same page as we are all the time. And the way that you speak to them and the way you make them feel comfortable is very reassuring to us. For our buyers. So they, they also know it's not just us writing bad offers, right? Because eventually Correct. what happens is it turns on us and they can say, or my agent's losing all these offers where, you know, the market's just insane. Yeah. And that's, and that's something I've noticed as well. Um, and it does come back to that team mentality that, you know, you guys refer us a client as much as, you know, our, you know, what we do mm-hmm. reflects on you, what you do reflects on us. Mm-hmm. So I take it very seriously and we, you know, reinforce that positivity like, Hey, this market's really tough, you're going to lose homes. It's just yeah. what's going to happen, and you're with the best people to help you mm-hmm. get an opportunity to get them. Um, and to touch on that, I've been noticing that there's a lot, as we discussed, more time in between getting pre-approved and finding a home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's more time for clients to get information elsewhere, That's right. to talk to friends and family, because let's face it, Everybody becomes a realtor and a lender when they find out that you're buying a home. That's right. And they're like, hey, well, I've got advice when I bought a home 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So 
it's really key to keep our buyers educated and let them know, hey, this is the process we're going to go through. Just have some faith and trust me. You may meet somebody at the bar at a birthday party that Mm -hmm. says, hey, you haven't found a house in a month. Oh, my God, I could find you a house within a week. Right. That's everybody says it. Oh, your house has been on the market for three months. Great. I can get you 10,000 more and sell it. But can they? No, there's a reason it's on the market for that long. So it's, you know, it's coming down to that real deep dive of education and really holding our clients hands, Mm -hmm. whether they're first time home buyers or it's their 15th home. Right. Just the education. It's sad because they'll learn that lesson because that person telling them that can't do it. They're not they can't, they can't produce you know, under deliver. Mm-hmm. And then they're too embarrassed to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It's 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 a sad cycle. I mean, and it's you guys have seen it when you tell a client to use us and mm-hmm. they don't. And then at the end they're like, I should have. Mm-hmm. And it's trial we just by went fire. through it. Which one? With um Purple Martin. Oh yeah. Remember and she left and then came back. Yeah. And she was like, Josh was very telling the truth and yeah, I'm going to go back to, to Josh. Yeah, so I had one yesterday, and I won't name any company names, but they're a big online lender. And um, <laughs> she's like, hey, you know, my my agent referred me over to you. Can you take a look at what they're giving me? And they were giving her a 2.99 rate and charging her about $4,000. Mm-hmm. I said, did they even tell you what the rate was without points? And she's like, no. I'm like, it's 3.25. Granted, the market's gone up, for those of you that don't know. Rates have increased. So over the last three weeks, we've lost over 250 basis points. And what that means is interest rates have increased significantly. Um, You know, we were quoting 2.5. Now it's 3.25. Hopefully that will trend down as things level off here. But um, she's like, no, I hadn't been told what the rate was without points. I'm like, do you want to spend that money? And she's like, not really. I said, well, why don't we lock you into this? And she's like, I can't believe that I just learned this much. Thank you so much. It's all about taking the time. That's I mean, right. that doesn't make me any better than any other lender. But when we have a duty to serve our clients the best mm-hmm. way we can, all of that makes them feel comfortable. Right. And I and think I think in the, in our industry, we become complacent and just assume people know everything. Because we do it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we always joke. She's always said it since we met. It's, we, it's Groundhog's Day for us every time we meet a new client because we're saying the same thing over and over to educate them. Right. And to yeah. teach them so that they're not going out saying we never want somebody to say, we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Our agent never told us that. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> We have that Groundhog's Day at least 15 times a day Uh with the referrals that we get, right? And everybody in my office, it used to be more me, but now that I've been training them up, they're fantastic. I mean, they allow me to do things like this. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, hey, here are the Goodwin Mortgage Group. You know, we want to educate you so much so that you can come work with us. And I hear that all day throughout the office. And one of the biggest things is, you know, whether it's your 100th call, make it sound like it's your first. Mm -hmm. Because that client that's trusting you, you're the first person they're speaking that's to. That's right. Yep. And that's what we deliver. And I know you guys deliver the same thing. Yeah. And it's that comfort for all clients. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that we had a long standing relationship with a, we won't mention any names, lender. Uh, we were one of their preferred agents and we got lots of business from them, but mm-hmm. they raped us on referral fees. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, you know, you could have some confidence if you were presenting one of their pre-approval letters. Yep. Right. And, um, at the end of the relationship, when we made the decision to break the relationship with that company, it was because the pre-approval letters weren't worth the paper they were written on. It's awful. And when we're presenting an offer, our job is to make our buyer look 
like they're the best buyer yeah. in the world. And if we don't have the confidence in that, it, they could read it right through us. I mean, right. listing agents aren't stupid, right? That's but right. if we really believe and have have confidence in that pre-approval, we can portray that and make the other agent believe it, which helps the client in the end. Yeah. So how do lenders get away with that? I mean, quite frankly, in the case of this unspoken lender we're speaking of, I mean, you tell them your experience where your buyer was in, had inspections scheduled, Pay had everything. Remember, you even sent them to Josh. Yeah, yeah. And um, he technically couldn't buy until April. Yeah. You know, and, and the lender said, oopsie, I don't know how I made, I made a mistake. Sorry, Selena. Yeah. You know, and here we are. So everybody that was involved in the transaction, the, including the sellers, the seller's agent. I mean, everything, everybody inclu- involved in it was like, what the hell? Yeah. And, and so it, I don't like looking stupid. And that made me yeah. look extremely stupid because to a listing agent, like she said, I'm like, I've worked with this lender before. We're good to go. Yes, your credibility And then this happened. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a case like that, can we go to that example? And Josh, since Selena handed them over to you, because we've done that often when this other lender would drop the ball, we'd always go to Josh to salvage them. Superman. Yeah. (laughs) But when you looked at that file, how quickly could you tell he he could not buy a house? I mean, it's pretty instant. It's when we pulled credit, you know, you get certain we run fraud reports. We look at credit and it pulls up bankruptcies, foreclosures, short sales. And I mean... It's instant. I, we had that discussion. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I, there's really no way that other lenders should have missed that. No, I mean, and this is the thing. It's people get busy. They miss things. Is yeah. there an excuse for that? No. I mean, when you're dealing with something like this and it's like you said, we, we do this every day. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes, you know, I've never looked at it just like a number. Mm-hmm. No, that's the Johnson family. You yeah. know, they were yep. super excited to move. And that is what has always created the, uh, created the urgency in myself and my team to treat it like we're heart surgeons. Yeah. Every deal. Mm-hmm. We never miss a beat so that we can make sure that they close on time, whether they're moving from across the state or they're moving from New York. So for mistakes like that, that was made, is there anything that happens to, I mean, there's really no repercussion to a lender, right? Yeah. It's just no. kind of like, so sorry, Charlie, you're out. Yeah, that's that's the sad part about the industry. Um, well, in the you know the, the lender was like, hey, when he's ready to buy, I'll comp his appraisal. And I'm like, that's not good enough. We are not coming back to you. Yeah, although it's not my decision. Yeah, although it's not my decision at that point, but it's a conversation to have with the buyer. Well, what <clears throat> what I have found is what's crucial with a lender that you choose, a lender that's part of the deal, is that they have some respect for the contract and the deadlines, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So inside that contract, there are several different deadlines. I mean, you have the earnest money deposit deadline, you have the inspection period deadline, you have the loan approval deadline, yeah. right? So if a lender is telling you all along, when I say you, the, the buyer mm-hmm. and the agent all along, that everything's fine, everything's fine, and we're not needing to extend that loan approval deadline, if that deadline is passed and then the lender tells us there's an issue, now the buyer is at risk at losing their earnest money deposit. And that's just careless and unprofessional Mm -hmm. and and it's just not good for the buyer. I mean, there's no reason that should happen. Typically, loan approval deadlines are 20 to 45 days. I mean, there should be plenty of time to figure out that this buyer can't buy a house to protect that deposit. So when we use Josh, that's what we trust, you know, because he will tell us if 
a person can't buy right away. And I love him when I refer refinances to you. When I refer someone to him to refi and he tells them it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. When he could have easily said it's a great idea just to make the buck, right? Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. So as far as the market being slow. Yeah. Not slow. Fast. It's super fast. But as far as the market being like this, yeah. what do you think is going to be, let's say, one year from now, as we go into the spring market of 2022, do you have any predictions? It's hard to say because of all the factors that are driving all of this. You know, it's not just real estate. There's, you know, nobody wants to talk about it, but you've got politics, which we mm-hmm. won't talk about. You've got... Um, COVID, uh, you know, a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that has forced the move here is people just want to get out. They don't want to be cooped up in, in their home up north. Mm-hmm. But I mean, long before that, there was well over a thousand people moving here a week before COVID. Yeah. yeah. So we're becoming a booming city. Um, I don't see it slowing down. I see rates are going to continue to rise Yeah. and they will taper. But let's face it. I mean, if you have a three or 4% rate, it's still pretty it's damn still good. good. Yeah. It's not what it was in the twos, but you know, the way I explained it, that's spilt milk. So yeah. I, I do see the market continuing for the sole reason there's more jobs being created here, but it's supply and demand. Mm-hmm. There is no supply. There's not. Our absorption rate is probably one to one point five. You know, our governor, Governor DeSantis, actually um, was interviewed and said that there's so many people come to Florida that he can't keep up. It's true. Right, right. He was asked about that, about the, in, you know, the influx, the exodus yeah. to Florida. And he's like, I, you know, it's there's so many here. people that are coming here that I'm not sure how the market is going to absorb them all. Like, what are we going to? Well, well have, you have urban sprawl. Correct. And you, so land is cheaper, obviously, the farther you mm-hmm. get outside of the urban core, right? <clears throat> so people are moving farther and farther out. Yeah. Uh, but I... Uh. Well, you'll start to see, I mean, so I live in South Tampa, and what you notice there is because there's not much room to build. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. starting to build up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. More sky rises, more townhomes, more townhome projects. Um, you know, I'm seeing in Riverside Heights now, townhomes going up yeah. left and right. Because you can fit more people, yep. you know, per 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 lot that mm-hmm. they have, um, but yeah, it's going to continue to grow. There's yeah. no doubt about that. I mean, it's you know, that's what we have to do. The things that we discuss to be more creative for our buyers, mm-hmm. and help them get more you know opportunities at bat at these homes. Um, it's crazy times. Well, as you know, supply and demand is what drives pricing, mm-hmm. right? So as the supply and demand keeps going the way it's going, at some point prices are going. They're going to two thousand five, yeah. right? I mean, aren't they? I mean, aren't they going to get? It would to make a sense. It would make sense, but when you have people paying forty thousand over in cash, I mean, because we're not expensive compared to New York and California. Mm-hmm. So no. at some point, is that type of market going going to make us to be? Like that, like, and, and, like and New York, like my personal opinion, which doesn't mean much, <laughs> right? It's you know my opinion. I think we're getting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen a complete paradigm shift on how deals are done. Would you have ever thought that you would waive a client's appraisal contingency? No, never. And it's being done left and right. <laughs> yeah, I know. To get yeah. a deal, um, you know, and people are getting. I had one client who is kind of waiting a little bit, but was like, "Well, I can go twenty thousand over." But I got to borrow the money. And think about that. Like, you know, you know, 
it's a that's for me it's that's a tough situation because you're like well, it's an ethical dilemma yes I'm like oh do you really you know but then they don't qualify for the loan because they borrow the money right. exactly <laughs> but that's the thing people are getting so desperate that they're like well I'll just borrow the money but then you get into well how are you going to borrow the money yeah. are you borrowing it from a family member what are you doing and you know but yeah it's an ethical thing and so it's just so crazy. People are grasping like, well, I'll get a phone call on Sunday, eight o'clock in the morning. This house just hit the market. We need to go now. We need to be in there in 30 minutes. And it's just, it's, it's chaos. It's that, that hysteria yeah. that I was saying. It's it's sheer chaos. You know, there's a line of 15 people when you've yeah. got an appointment for 930 to view a home. Yeah. And there's 15 people That's before right. you. You know, it's so funny that there's this such high demand, but you know what I'm seeing dropping off of the market temporarily, hopefully, are the uh, investors, the, yeah. the flippers. Because they can't, they can't compete. No. You know, they can't get the houses for the price point they need in order to make that profit. That's right, right. Because they're, yeah. they're submitting their offers. They're doing sight unseen, but mm-hmm. they're really low and yeah. like they're just not getting it. They're getting they're just, at. Mm-hmm. They're hoping somebody would bite, but they're picking the wrong homes to do that on, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, which is weird. If So anyways, not to get off topic on that one, but that's another podcast. <laughs> Shit's about to get real. This is a hot topic. <laughs> Let's talk about appraisals. So as real estate agents, we see it all the time. And here's what I usually tell my clients. We could have four appraisers come to your house on the same day. One's coming as a VA appraiser, one's coming as an FHA appraiser, one's coming as a conventional, and one was a guy you just called, we used to call it John Doe appraisals, where the owner orders an appraisal. And every one of those are going to come out different on most days. Now, how is that possible? How can the same house have four different values just based on four different uh, appraiser opinions. So that's one of the questions we're asking Josh today. Um, he did clarify one thing for me in regard to FHA and conventional appraisals. Yeah, there, there is no difference. Um, <laughs> like our mind is blown. The, <laughs> the only difference with an FHA and conventional appraisal is FHA is a little more strict. Okay. If you've got, you know, windows that don't open, crack mm-hmm. paints, you know, on an older home, it's a sign of, you know, lead-based paint. Yep. Um, other than that, the so comps are the comps. No difference on value, but some difference on condition required. Condition 100%. Yeah, they're a little more strict on it. But when it comes to value, and I hear this all the time, and I pick and choose my battles with listing agents on it, is there is no difference. You just overpriced your home. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Because Selena and I had some experience this year where, as listing agents, you know, we saw some kind of comfort in a conventional offer versus a government-backed one mm-hmm. like an FHA. And it was funny because in several cases, that conventional loan came in really undervalued. Like it was the appraisals were crazy. And the next contract that we took, because we obviously, you know, the seller didn't Mm -hmm. sell it for that. The next contract we took in both of these uh, experiences were FHA and and the home appraised. So we were like, wow, why is the conventional appraisals coming in low and the FHA is coming in high? So it's really all based on just a matter of opinion on the appraisals or... Is there another thing that... It was a weird stroke of luck that you had there that that happened. Um, But an appraisal is an opinion of value. Um, They follow a certain set of rules, guidelines, you know, how far they can go out, you know, time that they can go back. So, for example, in my situation with with my company, we're very blessed. We have a relationship with an appraisal management company. But, you know, let's set the record straight. I can't pick and choose what appraiser goes out. Yeah. Highly illegal, unethical. It needs to be a third party... We, we know who the appraiser is afterwards. Oh, hey, it's John. Great. Um, came in low. 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> damn it, John. It's, yeah, damn it, John. <laughs> so it just depends on you know how that's set up. So the appraisal management company we use, they are very above board by the book, and they pick some really great appraisers that are local experts. So that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of these appraisal management companies, they're thousands of appraisers deep. And you could have a house in South Tampa, and somebody comes from Brandon to do that appraisal, and they have no idea about Hyde Park and how historic it is. You're yeah. right. And one of mine the was in Ruskin, yeah. and the appraiser came from Newport Ritchie. Yeah. Had no, it was like, I got market. lost, you know, and, and that's not very comforting. No, when an appraiser <laughs> says, I got lost on the way here, sorry I'm late, that is uh, like, not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually not good. So it's... In, <sighs> Is really the luck and, and not to make excuses for delayed appraisals because I've experienced it. You know, one thing is appraisers, they're busy people. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you get dealt a bad hand and we've all had that with mm-hmm. a guy that thinks he knows so much about the neighborhood or the gal that thinks they know so much. This isn't worth that. And that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth when yeah. it comes to the yeah. listing. There's bitter people all over the world. Sometimes you find a bitter appraiser mm-hmm. that, you know, for whatever reason, they just do not like that neighborhood. Yeah. Now, there's been times personally where I thought this was kind of outlandish. Hey, this has seemed low. And they've explained it to me. I'm like, okay, now I understand. So one thing that I encourage everybody on any transaction, you know, the real estate partners and the lender, just talk to the appraiser. Why did you come up with that? And start to, you know, sharpen your tool a little bit and understand why they make those calls. And then, you know, the next appraiser does something completely different. Why did you do that? Um, Right now, it's tough. Let's just face it. With the whole refi boom over the last year, Appraisers have been swamps. Yeah. Crazy, crazy busy. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't find that acceptable because if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to get it done on time. Yeah. I'm going to do it. But when it comes back, and I'm getting off topic a little bit here, we're going over appraisals in total. But when it comes to the valuations, it, it's no difference conventional versus FHA. None. It, it's your appraiser. And do they know the neighborhood? Yeah. Are they an expert? That's the biggest thing as, you know, agents and lenders, what we need to focus on is using the appraisal management company that has a local expert go to that okay. property. You know, it's, it's funny, um, off topic, but still on topic, is there is a local agent down by me in Apollo Beach, and one of her requirements is the re- the appraiser must live within 10 miles of I see that quite a bit, or their and, office and needs to be located within there. And I thought that was interesting. I'm like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Well, yeah, because you have to think about it. I mean, look at how many different subdivisions there could be in one pocket sure, of five tons. miles. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. if you compare one to the other, you're doing it, you know, in injustice or justice. Yeah. So I mean, but as many times as we see appraisals coming low, you get some high ones too, and you're like, how did that appraise? <laughs> yeah. Those are the good days. They Let's be drink more whiskey. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so it's hit or miss either way, but I'm buying lunch. <laughs> um, so in what cases can a buyer reject the appraisal they just got and get another appraisal? Is that even an option? Never. I mean, so those days were with what are called mortgage brokers. They could cancel that deal with one lender and then broker it over to another one. But in this market with time constraints, best thing you can do is do a rebuttal. And basically what that is, is, you know, the agents, you guys, Mm -hmm. lovely agents, put together some comps Mm -hmm. to justify why your valuation Mm -hmm. is what it is. So, and just like, let's back that up for one second. As a listing agent, they should be at every appraisal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been seeing a lot that aren't. Yeah. Came in low. Were you there? No. Okay. What's going on here? So I know you guys do that. You Mm -hmm. meet the appraisers. You know, if you have multiple offers, 
bring them. You're not going to offend them. Hey, it shows desirability. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting sidetracked again. I'd love to do that. What was your question? <laughs> if, it, if, a buyer, if, if a buyer rejected. could, yes, yes okay. if they could say, I don't like that one, I'll order a new one. So it's called an appraisal rebuttal. Yeah. As we discussed, you guys put the comps together and judging by the tone of your voice, you know, they don't move very often mm-hmm. when you do that. We've done it. And I, I literally, yeah, I literally week, used back. to, they'd work. I mean, and mostly with VA, because, you know, Selena and I, we right. work a lot with veterans. Yeah. We love veterans. So, we're, you know, we're very um, experienced with the VA loan, right? We, so there's a, you know, we, we, we did know it. how to protest a VA appraisal. Well, two years ago, I'd say, is when we were seeing a lot of them. And did we get everyone overturned, whatever you want to say? No. But mm-hmm. we, we did win some. Yeah. Where we were like, yeah. And that's now we're not even sure they read it. Uh-huh. That, that's hard to do. We're but not it, even sure they read it. I know. and But it's not us just going on the MLS and printing out brokers. Like, we're yeah, like doing, doing research, our yeah. work, our mm-hmm. research. And um, it was, it was it's satisfying. And, you know. know, what I found in those appraisal reviews is if it's the appraiser that did the appraisal who's also reviewing, reviewing the protest. It. Sometimes it's different. Yeah. Because a lot of times appraisers put in their information, then they send it off to the back office, and they do all the calculations. Yeah, somebody else needs to look at that mm-hmm. rebuttal. A and third a, party. Right, a disinterested mm-hmm. third party, you know, to see, you know, what the argument is. So I've lost faith in those recently. And, you know, yeah, listing agents should show up. We were going through this phase where we were meeting them, and then I even put together this cute little packet. And I was, like, <laughs> so proud, and that one came in, like, 15000 low, and I'm like, so and then we didn't go to one and it came in hot and we're like, hmm. But the, that particular day, that appraiser was like, I just want to go fishing. I don't want to be here. He was very vocal about it. Oh, it's the personal opinion of value. That's right. So I was like, how feeling. come on, man. You know, and this was a couple year old house. It was good. Yeah. Anyway, so, and then, you know, everybody, we came to agreement on that. And then the house right down the street, same floor plan sold for exactly what I had it originally listed before the low appraisal came in. So you see, like, that's. Sometimes we get really upset. My blood pressure is going up when we talk about appraisals. <laughs> well, what I can tell you is this is like um, an old school rule of thumb. A house is worth what a mm-hmm. seller is willing to sell and what a buyer is willing to buy. The appraisal is only establishing what the mortgage lender is willing to loan on that property. So if you're a buyer in, in a market like this and you love a house, mm-hmm. you know, don't turn away from the house because an appraisal came in low. Obviously, if you have the cash, you know, to, to, to wedge the gap, right? But appraisal is not the tell-all, end-all, right? No. And they're only, their shelf life on an appraisal is six months, maybe, on a VA, on uh, FHA. FHA. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't um, put all your eggs in that one basket, which goes back to what you said you were seeing well, with yeah, regard and, to contracts. And to touch on that, it's it depends on everyone's situation. Hey, this is going to be my forever home. I know this because we've moved 15 times. Mm-hmm. I'm okay spending 30 grand over. That That's makes right. me feel comfortable. That's yeah. right. I like that. But they're like, I'm here for three years. You're like, yeah, oh no. my gosh. Are you, can, are you okay to <laughs> lose 30 right. grand? That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and worst case, I mean, mm-hmm. with our appreciation, let's face it, I mean, it's been Like 20%. If not more in some pockets. And um, so you said that you're seeing with other agents as well, contracts where the buyer is backing up, you know, they're willing to pay above appraisal. Are you seeing the, um, oh, what, what's that new addenda called? The uh, escalation. Yes, yes. Thank you. The escalation. Clause. I've been using that a lot and it hasn't worked for me so far. <laughs> I used it recently on a land purchase and mm-hmm. it worked, but I think it's because the agent, nobody submitted one mm-hmm. on a land purchase. Mm-hmm. There no. were multiple offers, right? But. 
you know, they as a listing a couple agent, years ago. Yeah. As a listing agent, that's an escalation clause really doesn't mean a lot to me if it's still dependent on the appraisal. Correct. Right? They, they were good a year or two ago when there wasn't this mass craze. An escalation clause would always win. Yeah. But now I've seen agents get beat out using an escalation clause. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they even call me. They're like, I don't know how the hell this happened. We put this escalation clause in, 25000 over. But now there's people, like we've just discussed, mm-hmm. coming in. Waving a contingency, right. here's 25 extra thousand. Yeah. So we tell our clients, you, we haven't gone that far over, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, we're looking at more like five, ten grand, and we're like, put it in the earnest money. Prove you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Prove that you have the cash. Here it is. It's on. It's my earnest money deposit. Mm-hmm. We will pay up to that 10000 over appraisal up to cap of X. Yeah. So you always put a cap yeah. in there, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how we do it. We still don't win them all with that because yeah. obviously maybe people are doing the same thing with more, more money. Yeah, I mean, but in this market, how we've discussed multiple times that it's extremely crazy, you, your clients have to have that understanding, even if they're going to be in the house three years, hey, you might not get that money back. That's right. But do you really want to live in this neighborhood? It's what you have to do. It's becoming the norm mm-hmm. in order to really, you know, beat out other offers to get these homes. Now, what are your options? There really are none. To mm-hmm. rent? And rents increase Has daily. It? Yes. Uh, and to fact, pay out your ass for rent. Yeah. I a, mean, A good buddy of mine who he has a home and he was like, hey, I was thinking about getting a you know, second place. I was going to rent something. And he's like, I haven't rented in about six years. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what I could get for 1500 is now costing me 3000 Yeah. Mm-hmm. No difference. So over by me, there's new construction strictly for renting out. Oh, new but, construction homes and townhomes that they're renting starting at seventeen fifty. Yeah, but you know what? The builders are building and then renting. Yeah, the builders are renting. In yes, in communities that are still building, like for instance Belmont and Ruskin, in there, and then down in. Are they doing that water set. And yet? then no, they haven't done a water set yet. But down in and in Riverbend in Ruskin. Really. Mm-hmm. See, total opposite Union Park, new construction up there. We were on we're on a reserve list for property and the uh, sales rep said, but the good news is, is the builder's no longer going to sell to investors. So that's going to dump a few people that are on the reserve mm. list. That's good. Rent has increased in the last year <laughs> in Tampa over 20%. I don't think that's how she wants you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Courtney from <laughs> giving us a question. Rent has increased 20%. Not a surprise at all. No. So owning property, you know, back in the day. So imagine yourself. 1990-something, mm-hmm. Desert Storm, Fort Hood, Texas. It was a ghost town. Like tumbleweeds going down the street, the old John Wayne music in yeah. the background, ghost town. And those people who came in that had cash and bought stuff up at that point ended up being millionaires. Yeah, yeah. Later. I bet. Right? So people who own rental property right now, you're doing really, really mm-hmm. well. But... With COVID, when they had the whole, you don't have to pay rent and you're protected, how do you, did you see, um, what was your experience with that? Because I've often thought, is it too risky to be a, a rental owner now because they could, you know, not pay rent and. It depends where you own, right? And what kind of tenants you have. Yeah. So a lot of my good friends, investors, I didn't hear too many issues, maybe one or two people, hey, they didn't pay, mm-hmm. um, 
But you had those eviction things where they couldn't evict. Right? Yeah. The, the mandate put in place that you couldn't evict. Is that still closed. on that? Is it mm-hmm. still? I believe it's To the end of March is from what Which will probably read. get extended. It will. It's been extended twice already. Yeah, and create more issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and you... <laughs> it's sad. You have to think about the people that are renting. I feel bad for you. Yeah. But what about the guy that owns? Yeah. yeah. Still got to pay his mortgage. Exactly. I mean, and that's that's there's there is no right or wrong. It's just sad all around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. Um, and because when when they get well, the but there's still checks. people. But there's yeah. still people that are renting are that have not been in. Yeah, have not been impacted. <laughs> right. That uh-huh. can still pay their rent. That are taking advantage of. Sure. Okay. You know. Off topic, well, and, I know, and let's but, let's be honest. There's probably some people taking advantage of that. Of I mean, one of the biggest trends. Have you guys noticed how home equity lines of credit you can't get them really? Yeah. Because when COVID hit, people were paying their we're mortgage, doing. but not their HELOC. Mm-hmm. Just read about this, and that's bad. I mean, yeah. tons of people that need HELOCs get deals done. They can't get them. <laughs> I need one. I have a lot of stuff I want to do to my house. I was shocked that a HELOC had such a high interest rate. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> It's crazy. And, and a prepayment penalty. Yeah. Oh. What's up with that? I know. Are they going to protect their money? Jeez. So a HELOC is a home equity line of credit for those Correct. that are not familiar with it. And I'm worried about buyer agents and how they're going to make a living and keep going. I mean, they're just working so hard. Hard, hard. And hard. gas prices keep going up yeah. and interest rates are going up, right? So at some point... I don't think I'm going to, I agree. I don't think we're going to see a shift. Like we're not going to see a buyer's market for a long, long time. It's not even in the foreseeable future. But is, are prices going to stabilize? And is that going to require the interest rates to go higher? What's going to make us kind of put the brakes on and make allow the market to, to just stabilize a little bit? Well, it's typically interest rates go up, property prices mm-hmm. go down. They're inverse, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. But we haven't had this supply and demand issue. Yeah. We are in this weird alter universe Mm -hmm. where it's not going to stop. I mean, think about it. If you have this many people moving, this many people going for, you know, this same glass right here, you know, we all in this room want to buy this. We're going to create a bidding war. Yeah. Because it's nominal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. But when you have a house and you have people moving here from different states with tons of money, where this is not as expensive to them as it was over Where they there, came from. Mm-hmm. It, it, eventually, it will slow down. It's going to have to because there's not going to be, you know, the supply is just going to diminish. Um, but I think it's it's going to be another year or two. I, I don't I don't see how it could soon, even with higher rates. I mean, three years ago, I was selling rates at 5%, and that was a good rate. Mm-hmm. And people were still buying. Yeah. Now you got more people moving here. Well, for the first time in my career, which is a couple decades now... I'm like, are we going to be sold out? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sold out of milk. It's gone. Sold out. Today. Call tomorrow. <laughs> I think about it too. I mean, a good friend of mine who's in the business, he's like, hey, don't worry. Rates are going up. It's going to slow down. I'm like, how? He's like, well, that's just how it always works. I'm like, yeah. But look but at the supply and demand. And he's like, you're right. Yeah. I didn't think mm-hmm. about that. And it's it's mind boggling because it doesn't make sense. But we're yeah. you know we're very blessed that we're having all these wonderful people move here. And it's good for the economy, yeah. as we discussed, but it does make this part of the business. I mean, I was excited. I was like, keep them coming. Yeah. We're going to help more families. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I did not foresee this. Yeah. Because I thought, okay, as more people move in, more people, you know, lower rates. And that's another topic. But part of the reason why people were buying is because they're like, okay, rates two and a half percent. I'm going to move into a house 300 grand more. 
I've gained so much equity, my payment's still going to be cheaper than what I currently have. Now that rates are going up, you're not getting those people relisting their properties to get them out into the market. You know what else, What other market I think we're losing? We're losing the, the local buyer-seller, right? Because, and I just had a listing appointment this weekend, and it's like, here's the deal. Yes, if I put your house on the market, it's going to sell. We're going to have three days of pain. Mm-hmm. We're going to have multiple offers, and we're going to choose one and be under contract. Yeah. However... You're not going to be able to go out and write a contract on something that's contingent upon the sale of this house. Correct. Right? So the local buyer market, I think, is stagnant. And that's impacting the inventory. Yeah. Yeah. So they're staying in their house because agents are telling them, yeah, I can sell your house all day long. But to get you into another one's going to be the challenge. You know, so I had a, a client recently who sold their house and they elected to actually sign a year lease. Yeah. Right. So they're they left their beautiful home and they're paying rent on something that mm-hmm. um, isn't near as nice. And the rent's about as much as their mortgage payment was. So yeah. they're not ahead, but they've relate they've liquidated that asset and it's in the bank. So they can be more competitive on their own. So that they purchase. can be more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't know what advice. I mean, well, that is my advice to mm-hmm. clients is you have to have a plan B. You have to be willing to stay with some family. You have to be willing to rent because I the, the market is not going to accept a contingency Correct. offer. Correct. So I have the same situation with buyers right now. Sold their house. They ended up renting, signed a year lease. But they're like, listen, if we find the right house, we'll, we'll, we'll break, we'll lease. break we'll our lease. Go. We're we'll gladly do that. So there's not that pressure on them mm-hmm. to like hurry up and find a place. And, you know, it's a perfect house. It has to be the perfect one. So it's not a ton of things that they're seeing. Yeah. But if we find it, we go look at it and we move on from there. What's your thought on, I've heard some things about gap loans or bridge loans. Yeah. It has something to do with that. Bridge gap. Is that what it is? Okay. Tell me about Um, that. So essentially, one, I've yet to see one in my entire career. Okay. Interesting. Very few and far between. They're, um, you know, some portfolio lenders may offer them very unique. They can be high interest points. They cannot be, but they're not common like they used to be. So essentially what a bridge or a gap loan is, somebody... In the situation you were just discussing, they have a house to purchase. They have a house to sell. They qualify with keeping that home. Oh, they have to qualify with keeping the home. Correct. But they don't have the funds mm. oh, because the they house need to they sell need that, that home. That. Uh-huh. So they get this loan to bridge that gap. I see. Yeah, not as common as it used to be even before I got into the industry. Do you it think it'll become more there. common in this kind of market? Probably not. I would say yes mm-hmm. if we were in... The perfect world. There was no crazy pandemic and the economy was great. But with all the volatility in the market, you know, people are still in lockdown in certain states. They won't bring that back. I've been seeing little snippets of things that I have in my email to read. Mm -hmm. And they're all kind of similar to that loan where new programs Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden they're popping up. Right. And so I like to research and kind of think like, okay, who are you? You're a new company. Where are you coming Mm -hmm. from? And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you're saying this is going to work. So I have all these videos I have to watch. So which is interesting because if the program works, that's great. But as a listing agent, if somebody's coming to you with some newbie doobie shit like that, you're like, "Mm -hmm." that shit ain't going to (laughs) work. I'm just going to stick with this one here. (laughs) That's right. Right. They've got the time crunch on the regular loan. Now they need to get approved for the bridge loan. Yeah. Stress. Too much much going on there. So a few of our viewers have asked a few questions because they knew that a lender was coming on today. Um, one of the questions was they want to understand discount points better. What exactly are they? They are 
awesome and they can also be a nightmare. So okay. it depends on your situation again for the client, right? So the way that I explain it to people and I dumb it down is, you know, we, we have this, this cup it sells for $5. Somebody else in the room, you really want that, you're prepared to pay $5 over it. So you're paying above mm -hmm. to get this cup. Uh -huh. So it's the same thing with discount points. So let's just say the rate is 3% mm -hmm. and you want to have a 2.875 and it costs $3,000. Okay. That's a discount points, right? You're paying under, you're paying, you're basically paying over to get that rate below the market. Okay. That's okay. inverse of this situation right yeah, here. Okay. But essentially the same concept. You're paying money to get a lower rate. Okay. Now, when it comes to discount points, you know, it, again, it depends on the situation. So how long are you going to be in the house mm -hmm. and what is your time to recoup? Mm -hmm. You know, like we discussed earlier, that situation with the client I have with, with the other lender, I almost said their name, mm -hmm. and, um, <laughs> she, you know, she didn't realize what she was paying the points for. It was going to take her 11.4 years to recoup that money. Yeah. I was like, how long are you going to be in this for? She's like, before she answered, I said, you're going to be in this maybe four or five years. Yeah. It's your first home. Yeah. And she's like, you're right. So she would have lost that money. Yeah. If she had done it. Right. And so, let's let's talk about that formula real quick. Because yeah. it's actually a really simple formula. Very simple. So you take the price, the amount the mortgage is going to go down based on the lower rate. So Correct. you look at your savings. So you take the savings between the higher rate and the lower rate. Yes. Right. Then you multiply that by 12. Mm -hmm. So over 12 months, you get that number. And then you divide that into what the cost is for that rate. And it'll tell you how many years. And it'll tell years. you how many years it'll take to recoup that cost based right. on the savings per year. So when you look at things like that, because this is kind of how you look at refis. Correct. Okay, so what what's the recoup time frame when you're like, okay, yeah, this looks good. I mean, my rule of thumb with a refi, and it depends on the person, mm -hmm. right? I always ask them, how long do you plan on staying? And what does this money mean to you? Yeah. If it's just rate and term right. savings. And, you know, I probably turned away more refinances this year than I've done because um, it didn't make sense. But I like to see them save at least $200 a month. Yeah. Because that's twenty four hundred dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a good chunk that's of money. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. So when it's less than that, I tell the client personally, I don't agree with this. Yeah, they're going to be in here for four years, and you're only going to save one hundred and eighty bucks. But Josh, to me, it means a lot. So I'm like, okay, if it means a lot to you, yeah. we will do it. I just want to let you know, I would be remiss if I didn't yeah. educate you as to what this can mean down the road. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we take into all those things. Do I have to do that? No, but. People appreciate it because sometimes they're looking at it like this with they don't blinders look at on it the long run, and they're not looking mm -hmm. at it from the angle like, "Oh, that might put me in a bad position." Here That's right. I've had we've had clients that have asked us, you know, one recently purchased a house in Waterset, and he said, "This is, you know, I just want your opinion," and he was only saving seventy dollars a month. And and I'm like, people, and if it costs five thousand. <laughs> So you divide 70 into 5,000 yes. and that's how many months it'll take you to pay yes. that off. Correct. And you can see the talons come out of the lender's hands yeah. as they're like, take it. And he, he thank goodness he valued what I said. And, mm -hmm. and I said, ultimately you have to decide, you know, it's your decision, but he didn't do it. Well, you know? most people don't realize when they say it doesn't cost you anything, Yeah. but it does because you're rolling it into the loan. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it all the time. It's, it's really bad. Actually, it's very dishonest. our favorite portion of the uh, episode, which is that, that shit ain't gonna work. I have two. Yes. One is very lender related. Josh. But not Josh. <laughs> so there we are. The buyer closes on a house. Yes. And then they get mail. 
Mm-hmm. And it has your mortgage lender name on it. Love it. Your dad went through this. Yes. That's huh? where this is coming from. Mm. Um, constantly. And they still, still send it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's coming from you. And the first one he got, the first thing I did, because Josh was the lender for my father. That's how much we trust him. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I called him and I'm like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> it was about buying some kind of mortgage no, And that insurance. lady came to the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my goodness. And well, she was rude, slammed the she door. She was very rude. She that. was rude to my father. It's a really long story. I can tell you that. But... Um, they per, they make themselves appear to be from the mortgage lender, right? So, you know, you, you just closed on a house. You know who your mortgage lender is. You're getting this letter in the mail, and it's from your mortgage lender, you think. And it's telling you, you have to buy this mortgage insurance, and you need mm. to know. Turns out they were trying to sell my father life insurance, and I was really ticked off about it. So I called Josh, and he's like, Tony, tell me what you said. Uh, not me, I swear. Because you were too tough of me. I was like, what have I done? You saw the rat. Yeah, she's like, who are you sending over to be so rude to my father? I was like, not me. Um, but they do that a lot. And in fact, I actually called that woman because yeah. I got her number from you. And I politely told her she used my company name ever again. She would find herself without a job. Yeah, and I did the same thing. Like, it's funny how she won't call us back. Yeah, and it's, and it's bad. And it happens a lot. So I tell all my clients after they close, you are going to get a ton of mail. You're going to get people that send you something that say, hey, pay us $150 and we'll get your deed. Yeah. Little do they know the deed comes for free Mm -hmm. by the title company weeks later. Mm -hmm. So they take, because it's public record knowledge, right? So they take our logo and put it on there. Mm -hmm. And um, I had one so bad recently. The guy called me and he's like, hey, I think I've been taken advantage of. I called this company. They said they were a Goodwin Mortgage Group and I asked where Josh was and they said he's busy. (gasps) Are you serious? They were charging him about $10,000 in points on a rate. He ended up coming to me with no points, got him a better rate. And, he, you know, people can be easily led. Yeah. I don't understand. So you can't sue yeah. them? Like if somebody used Home Use Solutions you. team to solicit we somebody, I'd be on the phone with my attorney. I mean, but think about it. Okay, are we technically the lender? Yes. Did they put that on there and say we put that on there so that they know this is the lender that they worked with? Was it extremely gray and shady, the fact that they wouldn't say their company name? Uh, yes. There's a lot of people out there like that. There's dishonest people, honest people. That shit ain't going to work. Yeah. No, that ain't going to work. No. <laughs> so the other, this sh- that shit ain't going to work. Josh, did you know that we have to be actors and act- actresses? Oh, this is good. So this weekend, I went For on two, two listing appointments. Uh-huh. I was really excited. We did a mail out to this community. I got two appointments. So, well, it was actually Monday, yesterday morning. <laughs> the first one, the guy meets me outside, and I'm, like, giving him my whole listing of pre- presentation, you know, presentation yeah. on the front porch. Because come to find out, his wife was not supposed to know I was there. <laughs> She was asleep in the other room. What were you going there for? <laughs> a listing appointment. So there I was. I'm like, well, I have to go inside. I have I to take his notes so that I can do your market analysis. And he's like, okay, but you can't go in these rooms. And he had the floor plan, and he pointed out the rooms I couldn't go into because there were sleeping family members. So I'm like, okay. So we're tiptoeing through the house. And then when we were about to leave, this guy, you know, we're in the driveway saying our goodbyes, and this guy walks by with his dog. And this person's face turns completely white, and he actually has tears in his eyes. And he what? turns around and he says, "Oh my God, I'm gonna have to tell my wife now." 
Because what time was this listening appointment? Yesterday at nine. And people were still asleep at nine o'clock? That baffles me. I'm up at four. At the second one, so I left that appointment, went straight to my second what, appointment. Did you find out why? Well, they're getting divorced and he oh, doesn't, she doesn't know yet that he's trying to find out the value of his home. Oh, goodness. That's sad. So I told, you know, in the driveway, I'm like, well, let's, we could just pretend I'm here selling solar panels. No. <laughs> <laughs> Experience number two, directly yes. following that one. I drove to South Tampa for a listing appointment where I had to pretend I was from the bank because the sellers were refinancing their home <laughs> because they didn't want the tenants to know they were thinking about I've them. heard of that one. I've been an inspector when I showed up to properties oh, to buy them. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. That is funny. You were from the bank. <laughs> from the bank. I'm from solar panel. Mm-hmm. This is a crazy life we live. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's all in real estate. Well, I always, she gets those ones and I get the ones where people are having sex in the back room. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. That happened you didn't tell me? Is that for you? <laughs> At a listing appointment? <laughs> no, it was I was with buyers. And my buyer's like, can we get in there? I'm like, no, no, no. That shit <laughs> ain't gonna work. I had right. a, we had our summit and it was virtual this year. And there was a guest in there, Barry Habib. Um, really, really well-known guy. Fox News. So we're Zoom call with him. He's an economist. He, you know, owns a company called MBS Highway. And, you know, he has all these predictions of the market rates, things like that. And even I had asked him, it's like, you know, this whole thing with Zillow going on. And he, you know, has told us what, you know, I was fearing about. If you look at the CEO, how he does all those press conferences, he's like, agents, we're not here to take you down. Yeah. You know what he tells his shareholders on those calls? We're going to wipe them from the face of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. He was the CEO of Expedia that made travel agents extinct. And he's doing that here. Now, granted, do I think it's a really great business idea? Yeah, I'm pissed I didn't think of it first. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not good for us in a community because they have all this technology. They have this data. You know, someone's selling a home in New York and they're moving to Florida. Hey, we see you're looking at 30 homes in this area in Florida. And we've got a thousand people looking at your house in New York. We can sell it for a flat fee. Mm-hmm. Who knows what it'll be? Yeah. Right. So now they bought showing time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they have all that data. They've owned yep. Dotloop. Yep. Mm-hmm. They've had all that data. When they said, we're going to start screening your calls about two years ago, you're not going to get the leads directly. We're going to screen them. We're doing yeah. you a favor because people are getting upset that you're not calling back. Right. That was to farm data mm-hmm. and to find out what buyers want and the questions they want. So it's a real threat. And that's something that we need to really focus on by continuing to reach out to the people of this you know market that are looking to purchase but really focus on our neighborhoods yeah. and build that strong force of referrals mm-hmm. because we have to save them from what they don't know. And I have an agent who's dealing with Zillow directly right now, yeah. and it's all email and text. Mm-hmm. No phone calls. They've been waiting for days. It's, well, it's something scary, to be honest with you. If you actually, viewers, if you actually would go back and watch our past podcast where we talked about buyer agency. Yeah. And we it's talked true. about the fear of buyer agency becoming extinct and what that means to buyers in general it's important to see that because what what zillow cannot offer is representation Mm -hmm. and it may seem like something you can sacrifice today you might not see the value in that uh, versus what you could save or you know potentially acquire from a purchase through zillow but that representation means so much more 
than you can imagine. So, you know, any questions about that and why that is important, if you'd like to know and want us to tell you mm -hmm. um, exactly what representation means to you, then please reach out. We'd yeah. love to have that conversation. Yeah. Zillow, not your friend. <laughs>